0: Yo, 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 what's good, what's good, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, welcome back, welcome back, so, let's get into it, game 5, uh, we already know what happened, the Warriors won game 5, I'm, I'm here to break it down, I'm here to get into it, Um, but we're back for another Wednesday episode, as I promised, Wednesday episodes, you guys know how we give it up on Wednesdays, so I hope you guys are locked and loaded and ready, Um, I'm here to deliver a really good, really great pod. I'm here to deliver a really great part. And I'm a, and I'm going to break down different aspects of Game 5 and what I saw, and obviously – so we're going to get into that. Um, but I'm really, really excited and a little bit sad because we're – you know, even if the Warriors win Game 6 or if the Celtics win Game 6 and we are in a Game 7 situation, uh, the the NBA season is coming to a conclusion. So this will be the end of the NBA season. Obviously, we have a lot of like NFL stuff to get into. Obviously, there'd be some NBA free agency stuff to get into. But we're gonna be we're gonna be devoid without sports. I mean, or the sports that we talk about here. Now, I, I must admit, we do have an interesting matchup within the NHL Stanley Cup final um between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche. That 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 series I like, I do now I don't talk, I don't talk hockey at all On this podcast, but I do like The storylines between both teams And this Stanley Cup final I do really like it, so If you want to tune into that Tune into that for sure, because it's definitely it's It has some brewing storylines But, back on Point, back on focus, back on The thing that we're here to talk about. We'll talk about We're here to talk about Game 5 of the NBA Finals And before I even Get into it I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. You guys already know I'm here and back and ready for you guys. Um, Shouts out to all the regular listeners. Shouts out to everybody listening. Shouts out to everybody listening to this podcast. Greatly appreciated. Um, hope you, hopefully you come back. If you Like I said, if you're a first-time listener, shout out to you. Hopefully you come back. You enjoy what you hear and so forth. You can go through my... Uh, my other episodes and so forth, and, you know, kind of get the feel of this podcast. Shouts out to all the regular listeners. If you're a regular listener, you're, you're a true one, you're a real one. So um, let's get into it. Game five. Now, we all know since March, the Celtics haven't lost a back-to-back game. They're really good when faced with adversity. They're really good coming off of losses because they're able to make really good adjustments and they are a smart, versatile basketball team. That's what they've been able to do since January. They've turned their season around. And since March, they haven't lost a back-to-back game. And since, obviously, since the playoffs, they haven't lost a back-to-back game. They haven't lost back-to-back games. They're really good off of losses. So expectation is, hey, Boston's gonna come out really good. Boston Boston come out, make some adjustments. Boston come out confident. Boston will come out fast. Game five looked like the Celtics, despite and they they did change their defensive plan in terms of you know how they're gonna defend Steph Curry. That did change. You didn't see the drop cover, the deep drop coverage. They were they closed his airspace and they they neutralized Steph Curry. I think this defensive game plan is a little too late now, but with that defensive game plan and adjustment, Steph Curry went a result of 0 for 9 from 3. And the Celtics still got washed. You know, at times, even before this series started, uh, I had my questions and my doubts, or I had my questions that led to doubt About these Celtics and a lot of it had to do with lack of experience, lack of execution, uh, lack of not being able to play well in certain stretches, such as, you know, at the beginning of the game, closing the game, closing certain quarters. That is what I worried about with the Celtics coming into the series, because I was like. Despite Golden State not having, you know, the two way talent that Boston may possess, Golden State is really good at executing their game plans. Golden State is a very seasoned and smart basketball team. Golden State, they know how to close out quarters really well. They sometimes come out really quick and fast, and they know how to close a game down the stretch. And that's what I worried about. And with game five, the Celtics. From their three-point shooting, I think they missed their first thrill, they, they missed their first 12 three-point shots. Now, mind you, some of these three-point shots were really good looks, and they were just missing. Um, also, I think another key number, Boston, 67% from the free throw line. All of this is pressurized moments, and it looked as if the Celtics haven't been here before. The Celtics haven't been on this stage before. And on the flip side, the Warriors in the first quarter, came out guns blazing despite the, you know, the poor shooting uh, night that Steph Curry had, which, you know, a lot of people are getting on him. But I think um, with the series he's been having, he is allowed to have a bad shooting night. And let's be honest, how many times is Steph Curry in a game going to go 0 for 9 from 3? I highly doubt that happens for a very long time. So with that, um, despite Curry's, you know, Poor shooting night. Like I said, Golden State still came out guns blazing. Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, who was probably not, well, not probably. Andrew Wiggins, who was the best player on the floor in game five, came out guns blazing. And the Celtics came out tight. You could tell they was a bit nervous. They were a bit flat. And, you know, third quarter came around. Boston couldn't miss. There was a there was a there was like a, a a there was like a five, six minute stretch where in the third quarter, Boston really couldn't miss. Uh like I said, Steph was still cold. Steph was he was cold throughout the night. Um, but even when Boston gave Golden State their best punch, Golden State still weathered the storm, Golden State kept it close. Golden State led by one after the third quarter, and then they completely blitzed the Celtics in the fourth quarter. And watching Game Five, I watch I watch the games with if I'm if I'm watching by myself, I religiously watch the games with no with no volume, and I do it for a purpose because first I don't want the the announcers as great as as great as Mark Jackson, uh, Jeff Stan Van Gundy, uh, Jeff Jeff Van Gundy, and and Mike Brain. As great as those guys are, I think those guys are great. As great as they are, I don't want them to dictate what I'm thinking and what I'm seeing as I'm watching the game. So I turned, I turned the volume down. And that goes for anything. If I'm watching the game by myself, I usually turn the volume down. And watching the first the two quarters, watching the first quarter and the fourth quarter, it remind this game, game five, reminded me a lot of the Patriots dynasty. Now hear me out. It reminded me a lot of watching Belichick and Brady go into playoff games, where they weren't, they didn't necessarily have the most talent, they didn't necessarily have the the best player, the most athletic players, but it was something about Brady and Belichick in these high pressurized moments and these high and these high profile playoff games and playoff moments, they would always come out hot. They would execute their game plan. Everything would be pinpoint on time, perfect timing, perfect accuracy. And they just weared out the opponent. And then at some point, the opponent would start to get it, get it going. But then the fourth quarter, it, it, you know, Brady, Belichick, they'd close the game out. It, you know, they get a clutch turnover. they get a key turnover. they close the game out. And that would be that. And it was just a slugfest. And that's what that's the type of feeling I got from Golden State. Golden State has been in these moments so many times. They've been in these type of situations so many times where they start off really hot. Like I said, I think Boston probably has the better I think Boston has more two-way talent. I think Boston probably has the more versatile team. I think Boston probably has the better team but Golden State for, I mean and and it's really that's really the big, big difference in this series. Golden State. Has more experience. They execute better. They execute their game plan. Their game plans better, and just down the stretch, whether it's closing quarters, the start of the game, Golden State just does that better, and they just do it better than Boston, from their players to the coach. And I like lo- I like M. A. Udoka. I think Udoka, I think M. A. Udoka has done a great job with this Boston squad. I think I, he had my vote for Coach of the Year. I think he's going to have a bright future and a long coaching career in this league because what he was able to do in Boston was absolutely awesome, especially as a first year head coach, but he's a first year head coach. Steve Kerr has played in finals. Steve Kerr has coached six NBA. This is a six NBA finals. He's coached. He didn't, he's won championships. And it's something to, it's something about, Going through, whether it's losses or wins, it's something about going through this type of fire before and just knowing what it takes to win. And then, you know, on the other side, you look at Boston, they're young. They they have their guys in their prime, but they're young. They haven't been here before. Nerves getting a bit to them. I saw it in the first possession. Tatum fumbled the ball a little bit. I saw in the first possession. Boston was tight. Boston was tight. Golden State was loose. They knew how important, how critical this game was. I think both teams knew how important and critical this game was, but Golden State's sense of urgency was just better. The execution was just better. Eh. Execution was just better. And it reminded me a lot. It re- last game five reminded me of a lot of Patriot playoff games with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, where sometimes they were undermanned. They may not have had the most athletic team. They may not have had the best team. But from start to finish, they dominate. They control the time possession. They win the turnover battle. They they win the battle in the trenches. They win all the important stuff. They win all the important stuff. They win the stuff that actually travels. And with Golden State, the same was here. Golden State, they executed better. They came out better. They they, they finished quarters better. Even in the third quarter, even when Boston got hot and they were trailing, they took their first lead of the game in the third quarter, even when that happened. Golden State still weathered the storm and Golden State still went into the went into the fourth quarter with a one- point lead. they still finished the quarter off well they didn't they, they golden State didn't get tight there was no there were, there was at no point where Golden State got tight and they just lost complete confidence. Nah, that didn't happen that didn't happen at all. Golden State weathered the storm just like those Patriot teams you know I, they would weather the storm. And they controlled from start to finish. They started off really hot. They finished off really hot. And it reminded me a lot of the Patriots dynasty. And with the Warriors, with Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they become, with that win, they became, I think they've won the most finals game by a trio. Most finals wins by a trio with 20 finals wins. I think. I think that is the, I think that's the, 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 The number, 20. Uh, I think the previous, they were tied with Manu, Tony Parker, and Tim Duncan. As a trio, they have won the most finals games in NBA history since, obviously, uh, Russell's Celtics, ironically. So, that's what we have. And that's what I saw in Game 5. That's what I saw in Game 5. Golden State won the important stuff. They shot... They shot the ball better, and even like Golden State, they struggle from the three point line. Like they, they, they struggle from the three point line. Golden State struggle from the three point line. Golden State they shot twenty two percent from three, but they they made their free throws. They shot better from the field. They had more paint points. If you look at it in this series, and the one constant in this series is whatever team scored the most points in the paint, that's the team that wins. Now I know that's like. That's, that's really general and broad. But that, it's, the, it's the one constant in this series. And Golden State won all the important battles. They won all. Golden State either did better in all the important stuff or they won all the important categories, just like those Patriot teams in those playoff games. They win the turnover battle. They had less penalties. They were the less penalized team every time. And that's what Golden State was in Game 5. That's what they were in Game 5. Simple as that. That's what they were. So another um, <clears throat> phenomenon that's been talked about, may, I mean, he's really played well. This particular player has really played well throughout the series. But in particular, Game 5, like as I mentioned already, he was definitely the best player on the floor, definitely the Warriors' best player. And that's Andrew Wiggins. And I'll be the first to tell you, because I I really uh you know when I was young, when I, when I was a bit younger, I used to really like the, the the Kansas Jayhawks, and I can remember when Andrew Wiggins his high school highlight tape came out. Uh, obviously, we know about the hype coming out of you know the hype uh, behind Andrew Wiggins coming out of Canada, and then he went to Kansas, um, and <laughs> you know. Uh, they were he was given a lot of superlatives and so forth, and even in his Kansas days, the his high, coming out of high school, the knock on him was, you know, talented, super freak athlete, talented player, but lacks that dog. And with with Wiggins also in Kansas, the knock on him was, you know, he kind of lacks that dog. <laughs> Turns out, and this is no shade to Wiggins, but like Embiid turned out to be the better player in that, um, out of that, you know, with that Kansas team. But this is, I think this is a clear point example of talent being used, being misused. And now his talent is finally being fulfilled because I really, really like Andrew Wiggins. And like I said, I'd be the first to tell you. With all of the expectations and the hype coming into his career, he did underachieve in Minnesota. All of that was not his fault. Some of it, you know, a portion of it we can can put on him. But I think this goes to show you where you get drafted and who drafts you matters and i always i always talk about it on this podcast in terms of quarterbacks and why certain quarterbacks don't succeed or when quarterbacks find a new home and they all of a sudden just succeed like i always talk about it where and when you get drafted matters it matters it matters like it, it just simply matters and with and with basketball it matters too I know I, like I said I usually talk about it in terms of quarterbacks and the with fo- in football in the NFL in terms of certain guys get get drafted in certain places where schematically they're not being used correctly but you look at Andrew Wiggins in his in his situation in Minnesota first he got he got traded so he, obviously we all know he went to Minnesota but look how you started your career. You got traded, he, he was drafted by the Cavs, but got traded to Minnesota in exchange for Kevin Love. We all know how that went down. Minnesota, historically, has been a bad franchise. <laughs> like, historically, they have been a bad franchise. I've had I have people come on this podcast all the time, and you know what they talk about? Veteran leadership. Who's your veteran leader? Where well, for a lot of his time in Minnesota, who was his veteran leader? Jimmy Butler was there for half an hour. Who, like, that whole entire time, in his that whole entire stint in Minnesota, who was his leader? So, and then I think the most important thing to take away from this Andrew Wiggins thing is some guys, some guys aren't leaders. That's okay. Like some guys just aren't built to lead, and that's okay, or don't want to. Not even built, but some guys just don't want to lead. That's okay. You know, it's okay not to be a leader, it is not okay to be a bad follower. (laughs) You know, it's okay if you don't want to be a leader. Like I said, some people can't lead. Some people don't want to lead. Some people aren't built to lead. At least be a good follower, though. Don't be a bad follower. But some guys aren't meant to lead. And not everybody is at their best when they're the guy. Some, Some players are at their best when they're the fourth option. Some players are at their best when they're the second option. I always talk about it. I always talk about where certain guys they may look like a first option but they're really a second option i always talk about it and it's okay but it's not okay when you have when when these when certain players when said player is placed under cer- or under certain circumstances and they have to be the first option they have to be the second option and then we throw up hissy fit when they don't live up to it well maybe Maybe he's at his best when he's the fourth option. And with Andrew Wiggins and Golden State, first-class organization, championship-caliber organization, when they traded for Andrew Wiggins, first, let's be honest, when they traded for Andrew Wiggins, he was looked upon as a trade asset, as a potential trade asset down the line. Now, the Warriors can't even play without him. (laughs) he's, He's probably their best perimeter defender. Look at Tatum's numbers when he's being guarded by Andrew Wiggins. They're atrocious. They're atrocious. But Wiggins going to Golden State was a blessing in disguise. And I don't even know if I can say a blessing in disguise. It was just a blessing. He what, he that Golden State wasn't going to ask him to be their primary scorer. They wasn't, they wasn't going to ask him to be the secondary scorer. Hell, sometimes... When, even when Jordan Poole has it going, he's not even their third option. Golden State wasn't going to ask him to be their best perimeter defender. Golden State wasn't going to, they didn't ask him to be their leader. They didn't ask him to be vocal. All Andrew Wiggins had to do was play basketball. It was just play basketball. That's simply all he had to do, which is play basketball. And some guys are just like that. Some guys are okay. And, and and with Andrew Wiggins, I think it is the prime example of bat landing in a bad spot, in a bad situation, being thrust in eggs to do certain things, or play up to this certain caliber or role. And some guys, like, some guys, even with, no matter, even they can have the most talent, some guys are just... Better suited, and they play, and they play at their best. When they're the third guy, when they're the fourth option, some guys don't want to be first options, and that is okay. That's okay. It's not okay when those cert those same guys are asked to be something that they're not. And with Golden State, with Andrew Wiggins and Golden State. All Golden State asked Andrew Wiggins to do was just play basketball. He's gotten better as a defender. He's always really had the the, the size and athleticism to be a pretty good defender. He's turned into a damn good defender. And it speaks to the environment and the situation and the culture that Golden State has built. Even from Mark Jackson, because we're going to give Mark Jackson his flowers, but even with, with starting with Mark Jackson, and with Steve Kerr incorporating this free flowing ball of movement offense, even when guys like Steph or Clay don't have it going, it is still it, this offense still has some type of rhythm where it allows the others to play off of Steph and Clay. And that's that's what Andrew Wiggins did, that's what he's doing, that's what he's been doing so you know it's it's kind of funny when Andrew Wiggins when he was voted as an all-star starter people were saying he's the worst all-star starter of all time now you have some people saying Andrew Wiggins for finals MVP now I totally disagree now I think that's a bit too I think that's a bit too much I think he's been really crucial and I think he's been really good in this series but I don't think he should be finals MVP but you get my gist Andrew Wiggins is an example of landing in the wrong spot. Where you land matters. I always say it. Where you land and when you land matters. He's a clear point example of that. It mattered. It mattered big time. Land in a bad spot. They asked to do things. Uh, you know, that's not really his that's not really his style. Gets to Golden State, better environment, better culture, better organization, first-class organization, and, they, and Golden State just asked him to play basketball. They didn't ask him to be the number one pick. They didn't ask him to carry the franchise. Not, every, not, not everybody can carry the franchise. Not every player wants to carry the franchise. Not every player is at their best when they are the guy. Some players are only at their best when they're the guy. But some players are at their best when they're the third or fourth option. And that is fine. And that is what Andrew Wiggins. That is what he's doing right now in the Golden State. And he's flourishing in his role. And I would say throughout the finals, he's been Golden State's second best player. So there you go to that. Andrew Wiggins. In at least one, and at least in one of these games, has been the best player on the floor. That tells you all you need to know, and that's another huge big shout out, huge, huge crediting to Golden State's front office and management. So, back to game five, um, and what all happened and transpired. So everybody, of course, knows, uh, as I already mentioned in the first uh, few segments, Golden State came out really quick, on fire. Boston came back uh, the first several minutes of the third quarter. They were on fire. They made the game a bit closer. Then the fourth quarter, the Warriors broke away again. Obviously, we know Andrew Wiggins had a phenomenal game on both sides of the floor. And obviously... Steph Curry, uh, he had an Ofer. He put up a donut uh from behind three point range, 0 for nine, uh, but finished with 16 points. And also, I, I must say, even with the bad shooting night, he still was able to playmake at a pretty good level, finished with eight assists. Um, and here's what I say about this uh Steph Curry. And his bad shooting night. First, I think people are like overlooking what Boston did defensively. Um, what they did defensively was totally different from the first four games. Um, and it was ultimately a better scheme. Uh, you, you basically took away the airspace, you gave away airspace to Steph Curry, and you forced the Warriors' offense to play four and four. And, you know, Steph was out of the picture. He was out of he was he was out of. Steph was either out of a lot of actions or just wasn't in actions because Boston defense it, it, they didn't make him available to be in actions, right? So, like I said, a bit too late for that game plan, uh, because now they're 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 down three two, and I highly doubt that Steph Curry has another stinker like that again, um, in this series, uh, or for a while, to put it like that, but with Steph I think what we forget is a guy like Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins had a big game. Like I said, 26 points uh was able to get a lot of, you know, a lot of great finishes, showing off his athleticism around the rim. Um and if you pay attention to what he did defensively, I I some would argue maybe my you know, maybe myself I would argue that like yeah, he scored 26 points, but his his play on the defensive end was probably just as good, if not better, than it was on offense. Um, but in terms of offensively, the attention that was given, the amount of attention that has been given to Steph Curry in the series allows other guys to score. So, I know a lot of people are debating, um you know, should Andrew Wiggins get Finals MVP or can Andrew Wiggins find a way to win finals MVP? and I'm not gonna totally dismiss it, but I'm gonna kinda dismiss it. like I said, Wiggins has played a great series i um game one he didn't have the great he didn't have the greatest game in game one. Game three, he didn't play particularly too well. But I think if I was ranking the Warriors players in terms of their play in this series, obviously at this juncture, at this junction, Steph Curry would be my best warrior. And then the second best warrior, the second most consistent warrior in this series would be Andrew Wiggins. He would be Andrew Wiggins. So Wiggins has played well. But in terms of looking at value and impact, guys like Gary Payton II, he scored 15 points. Gary Payton II, GP2, he scored 15 points off the the bench. He had more bench points. I mean, GP2 had more points than the Celtics bench as a whole. As a complete hole. Derek White was atrocious, by the way. But... That, I think... My, that furthers that my point as to showing you Steph's impact. Boston, every game this series has tried to find a way... Their defense has been trying to find the best way to neutralize Steph Curry. The first four games... Their their defensive assignment or their defensive game plan, like I said, as I highlighted to you guys, was not the best because they're playing such a deep drop coverage and they allowed Steph Curry to come off of screens with clear view at the basket. That was a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. Now, like I said, there were some pros and cons to that defensive game plan, but I thought the ultimate calm The ultimate con to that game plan uh, defensively was that, hey, you're letting the best shooter on planet Earth to ever ever touch a basketball, come off of screens, and see a clear view at the bucket. That's a no-go. And he's going to kill you every time. And that's what he did the first four games. And that's – in game five, like I said, they switched it up. But even with his impact, his impact and his gravitational pull, still gives the def- still gave Boston defense, hey, like Boston still paid attention to him, heavy, heavy, heavy attention to him, and that allowed guys like Draymond to get clear view, clear lanes, Wiggins clear lanes, clear driving lanes to the rim. Gary Payton a second He made a couple backdoor cuts that were spectacular. A lot of that has to do from all of the attention that is given to Steph Curry. And like I said, I think I think you know a lot of people are oh Steph had a bad shooting night. I, I, like first, I don't think you know Boston defensively they played really well. They played Steph really well. i Also, think another half of that is uh, some of those three point shots. A lot of those three point shots, quite frankly, Steph kind of rushed. He he rushed, he rushed some of those three point shots. But then, in all, in, in 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 the totality of things, his impact allowed other guys to flourish. So when thinking about finals voting or finals MVP MVP voting, I think sometimes it's you got to look you got to look a little bit more past the numbers. Like his numbers are gonna look spectacular. He's averaging just over 30 points a game. His shooting splits, you know, obviously this in game five, the shooting splits go down. But prior to game five, he was shooting 50% from the field um, and almost nearly 50% from three. Uh, like I said, it's gonna, it, it, those numbers are going to go down because of the, the night he had uh, in game five. But that's what it was. That's what it is. So I think that should be taken into account in terms of finals voting his in his sheer impact um in his gravitational pull to allow other guys on his squad to flourish offensively even when he's not having his best shooting night i think that should i think that should be weighted um that should be credited uh at least some in terms of uh finals mvp voting um and not just looking at, oh, he scored this many points and he averaged this many points and he shot the ball this well. I think also looking at his impact, even when he's having a bad night, he is still, his impact still allows guys all around the floor to flourish. Um, Let's talk about Jason Tatum, uh, by the way. uh, I want to go to Jason Tatum. Um, I like Jason Tatum a lot. I really do. You guys know I've been real vocal uh, about my support for Jason Tatum for some time now on this podcast. Um it's it's funny to see the emergence of his career uh step by step by step. But he's had <clears throat> he's had a weird playoff run, you know? I think a lot of people are a little I I don't think people want to admit it, but I think a lot of people are a little uh kind of confused of how to really judge him after this playoff run because he boy he's had some great moments in these playoffs game six versus Milwaukee uh I think that was probably honestly it's probably his best game of his career uh game six versus Milwaukee he was phenomenal uh the Brooklyn series he was phenomenal um and even there were times in the Miami series, just you know, despite some shooting struggles at times, and you know, not being able to take care of the basketball, he was really he he showed a like you know a spurt of maturity. Um, like take this, use this, this. The, I think these couple stats kind of like show how confusing his postseason has been. He has the most points in the playoffs. He has the most assists in the playoffs. But he also has the most turnovers in the playoffs. So, you know, like he's been, he's been really good. He's been good throughout the post throughout this postseason run. But there's been some bad. And in game five, I in this, and I always say this, <clears throat> and I think this game, game five, Jason Tatum's game five is a clear point example of the the traditional old-fashioned stat sheet really don't, don't tell you the whole story. The stat sheet, this is the perfect example of the box score not telling the entire story of the game. Because if you were just to look at Jason Tatum's stat sheet in terms of his, you know, scoring and his rebounding numbers and his shooting numbers i mean he had 27 points 10 rebounds four assists he shot five for nine from three he shot 10 from 20 from the field you look at his numbers you're like oh you know jason Tatum had a pretty good night jason Tatum had a pretty good night oh missed four free throws um but you look at his numbers in the totality of things you know you're like. Tatum had a really good night. As to oppose, you look at Steph Curry numbers, you know, 16 points, 0 for 9 from 3, Uh, you know, 7 for 22 shooting. You know? But you look at Tatum's numbers, you're like, wow, Tatum had a pretty good game. And if you were truly, honestly watching that game, <laughs> Tatum did not have a good game. And that's the clip, and this is the perfect example of the box score not telling the entire story. So, I know there's a lot of those those it's a lot of these stat guys out here. Lot of lot of lot of stat guys that just look at the box score and look at the stats and say, "Hey, that guy had a good game and look at his numbers, look at his points. He shot the ball well." But if you truly watch that game, Jason Tatum, he, he didn't play bad defensively. But uh he, he ain't play good. His, his, his numbers, his those box score numbers that I've read to you guys, it it makes it seem like he played well, but if you were really watching the game, if you were watching the game, you can honestly say Jason Tatum did not play well. Jason Tatum did not play well. His numbers don't truly reflect how he played. He did not play as good as his numbers say he did, and sometimes it's like that, and that's why I and that's why I can just I continue to urge, and just I want my listeners because I don't want my listeners walking around being this, the the box score guy. I don't want I don't want you guys being the box score person that just looks at the stat and like oh, he played well. Well no 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 and 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 his points weren't garbage points like. A lot of those points came in critical, you know, he had a he hit some shots in the third quarter. Like a lot of his points, they were they weren't so they weren't like garbage points. But I don't want I always urge my listeners, I don't want my listeners walking around being that 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 stat that stat that stat person that just walks around and just point out certain stats and like, oh, he played well, he played well. Cause look at this, look at his points. And like, no, no, no. Like, if you truly watch the game. Jason Tatum did not play as good as his numbers say he did. (laughs) Like, it's kind of hard to really assess his performance because, like, you look at his numbers, oh, he played well. But if you really look at that game, if you really watch that game, he, he played okay. He didn't play as good as his numbers say he did. He didn't play as good as his numbers said he did. He had four turnovers. Like I said, two for six on the free throw line. He missed two critical free throws um, down the stretch in the fourth quarter, I think. So like, uh, he, you know, his numbers really don't his numbers really don't do him any justice. And I think this is where the plus minus, I know a lot of people don't really like this stat. But I think, and, and you got, and sometimes, like, and even with these advanced stats, you have to be careful. But I think the plus-minus was accurately assessed. Jason, you know what Jason Tatum plus-minus was? Negative thirteen. You know what Steph Curry plus-minus plus was? Plus fifteen. So Steph Curry, yeah, he had a bad shooting night, a historically bad shooting night, zero for nine from three. How many times do you see that from Steph Curry? Where Tatum, on the other hand, you know, 27 and 10. He had four assists. He shot the ball from three pretty well. He had a negative 13 plus minus. I think that tells you all you need to know. And and, like I said, Steph had a bad shooting night. And this is, and this goes to show you, and this is what I talked about with Jason Tatum early in the series. Yeah. In game, because in game, I, I did it with game one and two. In game one. Jason Tatum had a bad shooting night, but I thought he played better basketball than he did in game two. And in game two, he had a better shooting night. But I thought in game one, the game where he had a bad shooting night, I thought he played better basketball. Great defensively, he was playmaking, looking to create for others. I thought he played better basketball in game one. Didn't really show in the points, didn't really show in the shooting numbers. But if you watch the game, he played better basketball than he did in game one and two. In game two, he was scoring basketball a little bit better, but uh, he played better basketball in game one. And in, the same goes here. In, in game five, Jason Tatum, yeah, his numbers look good. And I and I hate to be this guy that's banging on Tatum because I really like because like I said, I really like Jason Tatum. I really like his game, and I think overall the overarching narrative. You know, after this series is going to be Jason Tatum isn't that guy. I've already heard the rumblings that Jason Tatum he he can't be a superstar, and, and I think that's a bit. I think that's a, you know some hyperbole. I think it's a bit premature because the guy is still 24. Um, he still has accomplished a lot, even in his in his brief, short you know, career. He still has accomplished a lot for a young guy. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just full out bash him and say he can't be a superstar uh he he can't be the guy but i think it goes to show you experience matters yeah he's played he's played in some eastern conference finals this is different yeah he's played versus lebron james at a high level but this is different this is different this is a different stage this is a different stage he's played against a lot of great competition but this is a different stage and I think it just goes to show you that like it you know it, it takes a lot it, it really does takes a lot um to win at this level this is a different level of basketball this is a different level of basketball and even as the Celtics as a whole I felt like they melted down as a whole Emma Udoka got a technical and then a lot of it was because of some calls and and don't even get me started. Don't even get me started, because I hear a lot of people say, "Oh, the refs." Oh no 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 no. Golden State they 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 got called on some bad calls too. Steph Curry was called on a foul where literally he was running from one one end of the court to the other, and Al Horford hip check Steph Curry. Steph falls and he he gets called for the foul. Like okay, I thought Draymond. I thought Draymond's last foul was the wrong call as well. So like. It works both ways. Golden State got caught on some bad calls as well, but Boston just totally unraveled with all of the complaining and all of the whining. Like they, they, they totally unraveled and melted down. And Jason Tatum has—he's a, a big part of that. You know, he's a big part of that. When calls don't go his way, he has a thing. He like that, like that's that that that's his thing. And like I said, I think a lot of his weaknesses, a lot of this stuff that tatum struggles with now i think he'll grow out of it but it's a maturation process and it's okay but you know i just want people to also know i want i want the truth to be told tatum he did not play as well as his numbers may display in the box score and i think his plus minus is probably his most accurate stat. His shooting numbers look really good. He scored the basketball really well. But his plus minus, I think, tells the story. Negative 13. His plus minus really, really tells the story. And shows you, uh, you know, kind of tells you all you need to know in terms of the game that Jason Tatum had. Yeah, he scored the ball well. But as a whole, did he really play well? I don't, I don't know if he played well, scored well, but I don't know if he played a good game. Really hard, and it's okay. Like I said, I can I can think think I can think two things at once. I'm not gonna count Jason Tatum out. Um, like I said, people are you know already kind of writing writing him off in terms of a, he can't be a superstar. And he's talked about it, but he, you know, I know, I heard some people say he's not the man. He can't be a superstar in this league. And I'm, I'm not going to go that far. Because like I said, he still has youth on his side. It's not like he's 28, 29, and he hasn't figured this thing out. No, no, no. He's 24 in his first finals. Let's see if he can figure this thing out. Let's see if he gets better. Cause he has improved year by year. He has gotten better year by year. So I'm not gonna just count him out and write him off. But this is a maturation process. This is a maturation process, and it is something to be said that at this stage, at the NBA Finals, this is a different level. Te- this is a different level of basketball. Like I said, he's played Conference Finals. You played against LeBron. That's that's good. That's all good and gravy but this is a different level of basketball. And I think that's what we have learned. So I'm not going to write them off too prematurely, but also I got to keep things in perspective. And I got to call a spade a spade. Jason Tatum hasn't really played particularly well in this series. Hasn't, Hasn't played particularly well in this series. And in game five, indefinitely, game five, he did not play well. He didn't play as good as his numbers may display. So I'm gonna wrap this bad boy up. Um like I said, I'll be back. Uh game six is on, I think, Friday, if I'm not. Thursday. I think game six is on Thursday, I think. Uh so hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, no matter how it goes, Game Six or Game Seven, if the war now, I must say, if the Warriors do win, I may give you guys a quick reaction, my quick first reaction to the Warriors, uh, winning Game Six, which would ultimately be a game clinching, uh, you know, you know, a series where they'd be NBA champions. Uh, if Boston win Game Six, I may still do that. I may give you guys a a quick reaction. Uh, of game six, of Boston winning game six and forcing a game seven. So we'll see. But without further ado, um, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed doing it. Um, I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, Like I said, appreciate everybody listening and tuning in. Always remember, two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace, deuces, gone.